encourage you or that we could push you to burn brightly for Jesus. Is this okay, by the way? Head nods? Yes or no? It's okay. Good. Um, yeah, so we're in the series called the Burn Series. Um, our objective or our goal or the idea of doing the Burn Series is that we could encourage you or push you to burn brightly for who Jesus is. And so um, I hope that worked, hopefully maybe last week. Uh, last week, Logan was here, and he was teaching us about uh, what it means to have our identity found in Christ. And so uh, hopefully you got something from that. Tonight, I'm here to share with you about the gift that you have in Jesus. And so uh, I want to tell you before I even start or tell you anything or teach at all, I want to tell you that I believe that the ultimate gift that you could ever receive is the gift of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you. And so I, I want to tell you that from the start, and that's what I believe is the ultimate gift that you could ever receive. And so uh, for the rest of my teaching, it is kind of my goal that, that now that you know that, I want to be able to explain it in hopefully a way that you would be able to understand it a little better um, or maybe in a new way. And so um, my goal, my hope, is that by the end of tonight, um, that you would have a better understanding of what the ultimate gift is and that you would know what it means to you and how important that is to you. Um, so as I was, I was thinking about this teaching and I was thinking about uh, the, the massive side, like how big of a teaching this is, not because of how important it is, but be, like how does one guy in Cedar Falls, Iowa, try to sum up the entire gift of who Jesus is? Um, and in a, it kind of dawned on me that there's no way I could do that. And so the, how I hope to teach you that tonight um, is I want to give you the entire kind of highlight reel or the kind of sports center highlight reel of the entire Bible from start to finish. Um, because in a way that I couldn't explain it, I hope that the Bible would be able to. Um, and in a 15, 20-minute time, we don't have enough uh, time or resource to read the entire Bible from start to finish. And so um, I want to give you the, the sports center highlight reel of the entire Bible. And so... Um, but before I do that, I think there's one uh, thing that I want you to know uh, just about the Bible. Maybe, this, maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't heard this before. Um, but I think at times the Bible is a confusing thing, right? And to me it makes sense that at times it doesn't make sense because the Bible is this long story. It's filled with all these characters and storylines and plot lines and twists and turns. It takes place in all these different locations. It's thousands of pages, right? So to me, it makes sense that the Bible doesn't make sense. And so I, I want to paint this, like, illustration or this analogy for you. Uh, because for me, at times, the Bible reminds me of, of a TV series or a movie trilogy. Um, so let's take the Lord of the Rings, for example. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, just like the Bible, is this giant, massive story. It's three books and three movies. I think the books go with the movies. I don't actually know. Um, but it's this long series. It has all these characters, all these ups and downs and twists and turns, just like the Bible. It has all, all these high points and low points, and there's all this dialogue, and uh, this whole thing about the Lord of the Rings series. And in the way that if you took the ring out of the Lord of the Rings series, none of it would make sense, right? Because all the dialogue, all the characters, everything about the series is about the ring. Does that make sense? So everything about the Lord of the Rings series, all three of the books, all three of the movies are all about one thing, and that one thing is the ring. And so, so if you were to take out the ring, it, it wouldn't make sense anymore, right? All the, all the ups and downs and twists and turns wouldn't really have a, a purpose. And so the first thing I want to teach you is that the same is true about the Bible. Forget all the extra stuff about the Bible. The first thing I think you need to understand about the entire Bible cover to cover is that the one thing that the Bible is about is about Jesus. 
all the ups and downs, all the dialogue, all the places that people travel, all the characters all point to who Jesus is. And so if you understand that, I think you will begin to see the Bible in a completely new way, and it will mean something else completely to you. And so that's, that's the first thing, is, is when you read it and when you listen to it and when you listen to teachings from the Bible, I, I want you to understand first of why it's important. It's important because Jesus is the central theme. He's the main idea. He's the beginning and the end of the Bible. Everything about the Bible is about Jesus. Does that make sense? So that's going to put me pretty well right into this kind of highlight reel of the Bible. And, and my goal of giving you the entire Bible from start to finish is that you would see how the gift of Jesus fits inside of that. And, and if I can give you the Bible from start to finish, hopefully you would be able to see the importance of Jesus in that story. Hydration, I did this last time too. So the first thing about the Bible, the first four words of the Bible are in the beginning, God. So 6,000 years ago is when this happened, right? In the beginning was 6,000 years ago. Uh, in that moment, in that time, God made everything that you know to be. Right, so God made the heavens and the earth and everything in between. God made everything. And so I want, to, I want to pause and I want, to, I want you to think about everything that you know to be. Think about everything that you've ever touched. Think about everything that you've ever felt. Think about everything that you've ever smelled. Think about all the places you've ever gone. Think about all the people you've ever seen. Think about all the plants and all the animals. Think about all the math problems you know how to solve or all the science equations you could figure out. Think about everything that you know to be. And then think about how magnificent it is that God made all of that. And so I feel like that is the first main point of the Bible is that you need to understand that God is a powerful person. He's a powerful being. He made everything on heaven and on earth and everything in between. So in this, in this midst of creating the heavens and the earth and everything in between, God made man. He created humans and he made them to be very good. The first two people God made were Adam and Eve. Uh, he, put, he made them and then he put them in this place, and he gave them very specific instructions. And I want to read to you the instructions that God gave Adam and Eve. The Lord God took man, and this is from Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So to recap... God made everything. He made the heavens and the earth. He made man. After he created man, he gave man a very specific set of instructions. He said, you can eat from every tree but this one tree, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you fast forward a couple verses in Genesis, Adam and Eve did the very one thing that God told them not to do. And so I don't know if you've ever done this with your parents, and I can relate to it, and I hope maybe you, not hope, I think probably you could relate to it. Uh, have your parents ever said anything to you, told you not to do some, one thing, and then you turned around and did the exact opposite of what they told you to do? Yes, right? And so think about how f frustrating that is for your parents. Think about how mad that makes them. And so the next point is that, is that God was furious. How could man, who he created to be very good, disobey the one instruction that he gave them? And I'm not really an expert, but if I could give you one piece of advice from here into the future is if, if you're going to make somebody mad, I probably wouldn't pick the guy who made the heavens and the earth and everything in between, right? 
Because if this same God who made the heavens and the earth and everything in between is mad at you, right? So that's my, my one piece of advice. And so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so at that moment when Adam and Eve disobeyed the one instruction, sin entered the world. And so for the next 4,000 years of earth, the next 4,000 years, the people of earth lived. And in my mind, they lived with two things. They lived with fear of what God could do to them because God was mad at them. And they lived with hope. They had heard testimonies and they had heard stories of this Savior that was coming to stand in between them and God. And so for those 4,000 years, there was, there was a whole lot of silence that went by. There was things that happened, yes, but there was not a sliver of the sight of the coming King, the coming Savior. Next point. But then Jesus was born. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born. He was born in a small town called Bethlehem. And so for those 4,000 years, people lived with fear and they lived with hope. And that hope was fulfilled. And so when, they, when people saw Jesus for the first time, I, I want to tell you they probably laughed. Right? Because Jesus, the Savior that they heard was coming, was supposed to come and stand between them and the God who was mad at them. And the Savior that was born was a baby. And so a lot of people didn't believe it. They didn't think it was real. They didn't think he was actually the, the Savior or the Messiah. There's your next point. So Jesus grew up the same as you and me. He grew up, he was tempted, he walked, he talked, he ate the same as you and me. He experienced life on earth fully. He spent his life working for the Lord. And so 33 years of Jesus' life passed by before he was hung on the cross. And it was there on the cross that Jesus fulfilled all the accounts of Scripture. He freely forgave all of your past, present, and future sins. He canceled out all the darkness in the world, and he now stood as the Savior between you, Adam, and Eve, and the wrath of God, right? And so that's, that's the gift, and that's the, that's the idea is that this whole story, right? So God made everything. He made man, man sinned. They waited. Jesus came and now was standing between them and the, the being that we made mad, right? And so that's the gift of Jesus. And I hope that kind of helps a little bit. And so I think um, the first thing I said was that if you take out the ring of the Lord of the Rings series, nothing makes sense. And so if you take out Jesus out of the Bible, none of this matters. None of this has purpose. And so the last point I think is still happening today. The last point of, of the continuation of the Bible involves you guys. And so in the same way that everything points to Jesus in the Bible, I think that's an encouragement to you for your life. Does everything in your life point to who Jesus is? Does everything in your life, is that a reflection of who Jesus is? And so there's the first half. There's my, my idea of the summary of the Bible, and I hope that maybe for some of you puts in a new way of what that gift of Jesus means to you. And if it doesn't, I still have a little more to go. Uh, and the, the second half of my teaching uh, is, is a story from my life. So the ultimate gift that you can receive is the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ. And so I, I want to tell you that, but then I also want to share with you the, ultim the ultimate gift that I think I've ever received. And so the year was 2009. I, I was 13 years old, 8th grade. I woke up, showered, and later that day, I received the best gift I could have ever received. And then I have a little video to to share with you what that gift is.
right? So the best gift that I ever received was this iPod Touch. And, and like I said, I was 13 years old when I received it. I was in eighth grade. I woke up, I showered, and later that day on May 29th, 2009, I received my very first iPod Touch. And so I want to tell you a little bit about this iPod Touch. It was a third generation, and in my mind, it was the greatest gift of all time. Uh, it had 32 gigabytes, which I looked it up, which means I could hold up to 7,000 songs or up to 40,000 photos. Get this. You ready for this? It had an LCD display, a touchscreen, and a rear-facing camera. Whoa, right? Yeah. So I could take photos wherever I went. I didn't have to, like, get a disposable camera or steal my mom's camera. I could take photos wherever I went. And so this iPod Touch was so awesome to me in 2009 because it was a cutting-edge piece of technology. Uh, and I could in no way afford it. Uh, the retail price for an iPod Touch 32 gigabyte in 2009 was $299 plus tax. Uh, and as an eighth grader, that was way out of my budget. And so in many ways, it was unattainable for me outside of somebody giving it to me. And so when I think about this, this gift of this iPod Touch, uh, there's three things that kind of come to mind that I want you to think about. The first is that it was given to me by my parents to show me that they loved me. Right, so my parents gave me this gift. They went out to the Apple store and they bought this iPod Touch to show me that they loved me. They thought somehow that if they gave me this iPod Touch, it would just be a little tidbit of their love for me. Second point is what did I do to deserve it? And so I want you to think for a second about like what you actually do to deserve birthday gifts. Right, like you survive another year, which is probably something you planned on doing anyway. And so if you think about what you, like, actually do to deserve a birthday gift, it's not, like, a whole lot. Um, like, you don't earn birthday gifts. Like, you may think that you earn them, but you don't earn birthday gifts because all you're doing is surviving another year, which you planned on doing anyway. And so that's the second point. The third point is that it was awesome to me when I finally got it because I had wanted it for so long. For months leading up to my birthday, all I could think about was this iPod Touch. I, I was looking up videos about it, probably that video, and I was reading up on all the cool things it could do. And so it was so awesome that day that I finally got my iPod Touch third generation because I had wanted it for so long. And so when you think about those three things, uh, I think those are also my, man, this is just a struggle. When you think about those three things about the iPod Touch, I think those same three things are true about Jesus. And so the first one, the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you was given to you to show you love. It says in Romans 5.8 that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this is kind of a cool idea that God was mad at us, right? But God's love for you is so much deeper and is so much wider and so much more vast than his, than his frustration with you. God loves you more than he's frustrated with you. And so he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave his son as a gift to show you love. The second point is, is what did I do to deserve the gift of Jesus? There's not a whole lot that I could do or that you could do to earn the gift of Jesus. He was given to you freely. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it in any way. You don't work harder to attain the gift of Jesus. Jesus is a free gift given to you. 
And I want you to understand that. And the third thing, and I think my, my major point, my, my one point, is that Jesus will become beautifully awesome to you when you want him. When you desire Jesus more than anything else in your life, that's what gives him power. And that's the power of the Bible, and that's the power of Jesus dying on the cross for you. And so when you want Jesus more than you want to make shots in basketball, when you want Jesus more than you want to be good in an instrument, I think you should want Jesus more than you want good grades. I think you should want to know Jesus more than you want to be in a relationship. You should want Jesus more than you want to play video games. You should want Jesus more than you want money. And when you reach that point in your life where you want Jesus above all things, when you want him more than any of the things that you could list in your head, that's when he will become beautiful to you. And that's when he will become awesome to you. And so those are my, that's my main takeaway. That's my main point that I hope I can give to you tonight. I hope you guys know and understand maybe a little more what the gift of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you means. And what that means for your neighbor. And what that means for the guy at hy and so we're going we're gonna to be still and we're going to be silent for just a few minutes. And I want you to ask yourself, where are you at? Do you, do you want Jesus more than anything? Do you desire to know him? And if so, do you want to be there? It's okay if you don't, but I hope that you would. And the third thing is, is that if, you want, if you want to desire Jesus more than anything in your life, what are you going to do to get there? If that means cutting out something or adjusting something that you're doing in your life, I think that's the most important decision that you can make. And so we're going to just take a few minutes. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to be silent for a couple minutes. And we're just going to reflect a little bit. And so would you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that it is that we get to be here and that we get to, to worship you in different ways on this Wednesday night. I thank you for your your son, and the gift that it is that he died on the cross for us. I thank you that he forgave us of all our sins and that he's still working in our lives today. And so I, I pray that you, would, that you would reach out to these students and that they would be able to feel a little bit of your love and that you would run after them faster than they could ever run away from you. Your son is so precious to us and he's so beautiful to us. And it's in, uh, we thank you and we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.